to the Intuitive Insights podcast series. I'm Nina Lockwood, founder and director of Intuitive Interim and Executive Search. Throughout this series, I will be sharing engaging conversations with talented leaders from across the UK transport sector. Today, I am delighted to welcome Julian Edwards, Managing Director of West Midlands Trains. Julian left the glamour of the world of TV to join the railway 22 years ago and has never looked back. A career that spans the operating world into group and business development around franchise bidding and then latterly back into the interim MD role at East Midlands Railway and 12 months ago MD of West Midlands Trains. Good morning Julian and welcome to the Intuitive Insights podcast. It's absolutely lovely to see you and I am delighted to see the daffodils in evidence because we are of course recording this on St David's Day. So happy St David's Day to one of my favourite Welsh people. Nina. Yeah, happy St David's Day or Dydd Goyle Dewi happiest to you as well. So yeah, I thought I'd put some daffodils in the background wearing my daffodil today absolutely. just one day in the year and of course after the rugby this weekend it uh, it just feels a little bit more special as well <laughs> that's a bit cheeky julian but i'll let you Sorry. get away with that that's, that's the only reference i'll make to the rugby I okay okay i don't believe you but anyway we'll crack on um i was i did have a look this morning on google to see how you pronounce happy saint david's day in welsh and I was going to make every every effort, but I knew you'd do it better than me. So I thought I'd let you it for you. Absolutely. Um, it's it's an absolute pleasure. I don't know how long you and I have known each other, but I what I do know is that I always thoroughly enjoy our conversations. Um, I think you've got a really great way of looking at the world and a very positive way of looking at the world, but also an ability to make me think, which I love. Um, so it's an absolute joy to welcome you onto the virtual couch of the of the Intuitive Insights podcast. This is all about conversation with you, and it's I'm interested in hearing about you. So despite the fact I'm waffling on a bit at the beginning, I'm going to hand over to you to take us through initially your career story. I'm really interested to know how you got into the rail industry in the first place, why rail, and uh, and what have you done since to take you to where you are currently today as MD at West Midlands Trains? Okay. Um, well, Nina, I think um, it's probably worth letting your listeners know that I started in television, darling. Um, I was doing a finance uh, course for ITV or HTV Wales, as it was at the time, uh, now ITV Wales. Um, and after graduating, I did the, my first seven years um, with with um, HTV, uh, both in the Cardiff and Bristol studios, uh, and and latterly was the chief accountant for their Bristol studios. And in 1999, when um, you know I turned 30. Um, that was a time where you're thinking about your career. Um, and I got tapped up to go for an interview for the to the local train company, which was then called Wales and West Passenger Train Services, um, which was which you know, which is the franchise that looked after the services in Wales and in the West uh, of England as well. Um, and it, it sort of hooked me in. I had a really great interview. In fact, I, I, I was I was I was interviewing for the Wales and West role. And at the same time, interviewing for a BBC role, so I, I was looking at a channel swap, as it was, as it were, cha- stay, staying in the uh, TV industry. Um, and actually, what 
what hit me really hard uh, and hit me in the face was that actually there was much more appeal, much more uh, appealing to me around the Wells and West role than actually swapping channels to BBC. Uh, I, I, you know, my my early career was finance, as you know, and um, I was just going down the P and L of a, of a train company and a P and L of an ITV company, and there were so many similarities. There was passenger revenue, advertising revenue. There were shared network rail costs. There were central ITV costs. Uh, there were people. There were there were infrastructure costs, and actually, the P and L made a lot of sense. And so they hooked me in. I, I became FC at the Welsh franchise in May, nineteen ninety nine nearly 22 years ago uh, and my career ever since then has been you know FC at Wells and West, FD at Wessex Trains which is a small franchise set up in 2003 uh, in, in the West Country, FD Central Trains in 2004 and then became uh, FD London Midland in 2011, uh, 20, 2007 and then in 2011 I, uh, I, I left uh, Talkland as it were to go and join Abellio in the UK group. Uh, where I became the CFO, latterly development director, and of late um, have been the MDs of both EMR when it started with six months before we waited for Will to join us, and, and then West Midlands Trains in the last uh, 12 months. So and it's hooked me in. 22 years later, I'm still here. Absolutely. And this is what I do speak to so many people who join the industry and think, um, they're not going to be around for long. They'll just kind of join and see what it's like. And I, there are so many people. I would I would definitely go so far to say the majority of people that I speak to um, have very much the same experience as you. Once you're in, and I feel exactly the same, once you're in, then you wouldn't necessarily want to go and work for any other industry. Oh, absolutely right. Absolutely but right. What um, When you say it hooked you in, and I get what you're saying about the similarities in the P&L. So that's kind of, you know, the very, the black and white of it, if you like, because, you know, you kind of come in from a similar situation at, at HGV into a train company. But, you know, from the outside perspective, one of those roles sounds quite glamorous and the other really doesn't. So what what was it? What's, what has hooked you into the rail industry? Um. A lot of people ask me that question. How, what on earth are you doing leaving TV to go and work for the trains? You know, and actually, I I, I think um, two two things for me. Um, our our customers in ITV were very very faceless. You know, they were sat behind a TV. You really didn't know whether you'd watched the program, Nina, or whether somebody else had watched the program. Uh, and so there was you didn't know your customers. Yeah, they were they were just digits on a on a on a report on a Monday, um, and rail you suddenly got that sense that you know you can see the wheels turning, you can see the customers, you can see that you make a difference, and I think that's the first thing I'd say. And also, secondly, um, I think that um, I mean I can't speak of ITV now because I've been out of it for twenty two years, but certainly in the time that I've worked in this industry, you know, Wales and West and Valley Lines became two different talks. Central Trains went through a massive change. Um, remapping was huge back in uh, in my early career. Um, I, I think it's an industry that has changed massively, has embraced it, embraced it even more this year, and we'll come back to that, I'm sure. Um, but it's the people. I, I, I think the people that I've worked with in, in finance in rail, in wider management in rail, on the front line in rail, uh, uh, sort of, just was a, a more attractive uh, a subset of people to work with than I'd been in. I'd been used to in ITV. 
Mm. And so you see more people and you work with more people and um, uh, and also you see your passengers, which are you know important, particularly when you get to roll the line in now. Yeah, absolutely. And we're all ready to see them again, aren't we? Let's face it. Um, and that's it's a really good point and, and one which I hadn't really thought about, to be honest. But yes, you, you don't know who's out there. And I suppose it's like, um, you know, when you're delivering, I, I did a, um, I made my debut at the National Rail Conference last week. You did. Um, and that is a weird situation because you can't see anybody. You just kind of, you know, you're on your panel so you can see the three people that are on it with you, but you don't know, actually know whether anybody's even listening. And ordinarily, you'd be getting some heads nodding or some smiles or some kind of something back. Or booing. Yeah. Oh, no. None of that. (laughs) None of that. So, um, So I agree with you, completely agree with you. And for me, the passion that people have in this industry for what they do is incredible and it's infectious. So Indeed. I completely agree to what you've said there. Um, and you've, of course, you've kind of come out of the, the finance role into the uh, managing director role. I'm going to ask you in a little bit about your learnings over the last 12 months. So not only have you been um, going through what the rest of us have been going through in terms of being on the corona coaster but you've also obviously taken on West Midlands Trains operating company you had some exciting um, challenges and opportunities with your stakeholders didn't you when you arrived so again we're talking about the people aspect of it which is interesting but as we move forward Julian so we've kind of obviously we've been through the massive crisis last year we kind of right let we got the emas in then we moved to the ermas we kind of right okay some kind of little teeny weeny bit of certainty until certain date points are, are met i think we all agree that we've got opportunity ahead in relation to the industry from your perspective what do you think are the biggest opportunities for the industry um and if i gave you it has become tradition now on the podcast for me to get my fairy godmother wand out my bag and say right i'm going to gift you three wishes what would they be blimey nina that's a lot of questions let me go back to your first question first which is you know what what are the opportunities that we've got in front of us and i'm going to use west midlands trains as an example actually because i think it it, it 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 helps me frame my, my view on that. I I'm certainly looking for an opportunity to continue to run a far simpler, reliable service. Um, uh, part of what we did last year, many operators, of course, have had to change their timetable so many times in 2020 and into 2021. But actually, stripping it back to understanding what it is your core services is, is important. And I think a a train company like West Midlands Trains was trying to do too many things and trying to serve too many different sorts of passengers. Uh, uh, and certainly by by pairing back services, making it more modular, understanding what our core compet- competencies are and understanding our customer base, although that might change, of course, but understanding our customer base is absolutely key for what we're doing. So I want to run um, as a, a, a simplified but nevertheless far better organization that, does, that doesn't mean running f- much less it just means running you know more um, bes- more services that are that, that, that run reliably 
And we've been able to prove that. You know, our performance statistics have, have gone through the roof. Uh, this this never going to be top of the league, West Midlands Trains. In fact, when I started a year ago, of course, I said this to you, my mantra was we just need to be boring. Just relentlessly boring. No fleet failures, no driver, no driver cancellations. It's just, just boring there. And I think the other um, opportunities is that um, that the the expectations of our passengers, whomever they may be in the future, has changed. So upskilling what we do, simplifying what we're doing, cleanliness is definitely a new hygiene factor in mm. what in, in what the research groups, early research groups are saying now is people want to come back to clean trains and they'll get the confidence from clean trains even downstream they're not expecting to have a bank of four seats to themselves if you're going to easy jet out to the uh, to a to the warmer climbs you know you're not going to have a center aisle or center row of three of seats blanked off so it's getting that expectation right and i think if the industry and train companies like mine really significantly improve the cleanliness on offer then the safety and hygiene factors that come from that will be good. Because I think the other thing, Nina, is our customer base will have changed immeasurably. Your passengers aren't going in, won't be going into London five days a week. Mm. They were, or if they are, they might be going later in the day. They might be going three days a week. Um, we need to really capture the leisure market as well, even in a company like ours, which is people will want to travel at different times of the day. They want to avoid crowds. They might want to... Uh, sort their week such they're not working Mondays and Fridays, working from home Mondays and Fridays. And Saturday and Sunday travel might be a day of choice for travelling as well. So there are some opportunities for us to be on top of the services we offer, understand the passenger base going forward and understand how this country, let alone the rail service, how this country beds into the new normal. And we're beginning to feel, aren't we, as we turn into March now in 2021, the seeds of optimism that there's a plan for us to come out of the position we are now. If I was to grab your fairy godmother wand, I think there's three things that that excite me about the future, which is um, the one thing I'd say about the last year is that we've all had to collaborate like we've never collaborated before with other train companies, with the Roscos, with Network Rail, with the DFT, with other clients as well, and to understand and take stakeholders on the on, on the journey. Uh, so I'd like to see that continue. I mean, collaboration is the new C word, isn't it? It's a fantastic, fantastic tool that costs nothing, but actually can. Uh, it gives you a, a payback to that investment, particularly quickly. I think the industry is absolutely gagging for modernization and understanding where that takes root and branch, but top down as well as an opportunity for modernization messaging to come from the top whether that be people service offering how we retail and all those are there for the taking and again we're in that sort of um, chapter in our sort of history aren't we? which is a, now might never be now, now will be the best time to do that we might never get the opportunity to do that because of all all these factors uh, c- c- come into play and of course you hear people talk about the lack of money coronavirus has cost the country an enormous amount of money and rail is no different uh, and so uh, modernizing our offering and therefore finding new customers as well is a key opportunity for us and i think that uh, there will be people out there passengers out there that we haven't seen before so getting back the existing uh, passenger base is important although their volumes may be less but actually capturing new passengers uh, the new staycation market the uh, the, the the flexible working 
passengers, I think is 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 going to be a huge opportunity. So, yeah, collaborate more, modernize our offering, uh, uh, and seek out those new new customers. Yeah, I think that's um, that's something that I'm hearing more and more. Is this um, the, the 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 concept that when we talk about this, there's been such a lot in recent weeks and months about winning back the customer, welcoming back the customer. But actually, my understanding is that that only 11% of the UK public actually use the railway. So that gives us a lot to go at in terms of these new customers that you're referring to. So people who wouldn't historically have used the train how do we how do we get them as well and how do we encourage people to look at the railway system in a different way i mean there's some cracking stuff i watched on the telly a couple of weeks ago there was um one of the i think it's called britain's scenic railways and it was the route up via glasgow up to malague that okay. takes you over yeah, the glenfin and viaduct the harry potter route as it's i believe it's known absolutely flipping amazing it's kind of right how do you get yourself a ticket for that then i want to go yeah. and see that and you those know? routes are everywhere you know they're in the heart of wales they're in the in the yorkshire peaks they are they're, they're everywhere uh the, the branch lines in in the west of england that those those beautiful routes are everywhere and uh you know that that is an opportunity without without a shadow of a doubt mm. a huge opportunity yeah i think there's um on the, the historically has been a romance to the railway and i completely accept you know there will be people who are laughing out loud at that comment but i i honestly think and i am an optimist as you know but i honestly think that that's something that we can capture again it's doing things yeah, differently. indeed um, and of course, we're hearing so much, aren't we, about the, the green agenda. So, yes, build back better, but build back greener. And so I think the industry, the, the rail industry has got an, a massive opportunity around that agenda, yeah. which links with that new customer piece that you're referring to, because different customer segments have got a higher or lower interest in saving the planet. So it's attracting that kind of attention as well, too, isn't it? Indeed. Indeed. And, you know, there's a huge opportunity in my particular train company, you know, the green agenda, which is the existing new trains orders when the franchise was aborted. You know, those trains are around the corner and that's cleaner, greener, uh, more capacity. Oh, there's a cat. Um, <laughs> just those are great opportunities. And actually, in fairness, in spite of the turmoil of the EMAs and the IRMA, those sort of investments are still coming. And I think that's an important point to 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 you know capture that um that that brand new cleaner and more capacity trains around the corner and, and it, it would be a real shame for us to forget that and not utilize that investment wisely yeah absolutely and i am i completely agree with what you're saying about we're seeing we're seeing some green shoots now we're seeing some signs of optimism i know in the newspapers at the weekend the announcement about the new flexible ticketing uh, process which boris is telling us is going to be out uh, certainly by the end of june so people can start to take advantage of the savings that's coming with that so that makes me feel like gosh right we've got movement in an area that for goodness give it sake, a try isn't it give it a try yeah yeah we've been waiting a long time for this so it's kind of that the modernization bit um so so maybe boris has got a magic wand as well although we'll not dwell on that thought too long. No, um, that's not. So in terms of um, the last 12 months, we have all learnt 
a lot, I think it's fair to say. Um, and whether, you know, you spend a lot of time reflecting back on that or not, there will be things I know that stand out for you in terms of what, what are you doing differently? How is life different for you? What bits do you want to keep hold of? And, and what are you looking forward to as we move into, and I, I apologise for the phrase, I can't think of a better one, but into new normal. Yeah, I mean, what a year, Nina, I look back at 2020 and I and I rocked up in Birmingham in January after Christmas, having just done a six-month stint in EMR. Um, and, and, and what a very different um, uh, environment I went from to, uh, you know, as you rightly say, wasn't a happy place or happy position it found itself in at the start of the year. I started the year business uh, in a remedial agreement with the department, uh, with a local mayor who uh, was frustrated at the end of his tether. Um, and actually, you know, pre-COVID, we were building back that confidence. You know, I was firmly glued to the naughty step uh, and had to sort of, you know, look at how that business could actually re-win the confidence of its passengers and its stakeholders and of course the client uh, and we were you know we were making the right sort of strides going forward before uh, c coronavirus kicked in and I think that um, coronavirus actually has helped me put some breathing space and order into the business I was very fortunate that I um, inherited a team where there was some uh, retirees people coming up to retirement uh, and and I've been able to change the team more or less top down it's the fd is the only day one survivor now of the uh, of the team he he takes a lot of pride in that actually because he because he's got that continuity but the whole team has been changed mm. some before my time but some certainly do, during my time and that's permeating through to the heads of as well with a really good bank of heads of supporting us in west Midlands trains but actually if i look back at coronavirus i'd say Comms has been absolutely key. We've absolutely just upped our game on comms, and whether that's to staff, to stakeholders, and customers, and we've used we've used comms as the lever to communicate so much more effectively with our with our custom with our mm -hmm. staff in particular. You know the Q and A's on you know on on coronavirus. The Q and A Q and A's on wearing PPE on how we operate safely. We've just used it consistently, and I get great feedback from colleagues at West Midlands trains about how they look forward to the MD brief, how they really take notice of every brief that we send out now. And it's fantastic that people hear news about the story from the correct channels, not mm. from the jungle drums or, or or making it to go along. And it's been a bit of a roller coaster because some of these things that have happened have happened quickly. Mm. Uh, and we've had to respond very quick. So comms has been fantastic. I, I think we've learned also that we are 10 times more resilient than we ever thought we were. Mm. You know, 12 months ago, people were saying, well, that can't be done, can it? We can't change a timetable unless we've planned it six months out and we have farmed all of our planning colleagues away for a month and locked the key, thrown the key away. Mm -hmm. We've changed timetables in weeks. Mm. And we've changed timetables up and down and schools in, schools out, retail coming in, um, eat, out to, eat out to help out in the summer. You know, that was evening services, you know. And, and, uh, and it's, just been, it, it's just been fantastic to see people pulling together. You know, and, and and changing timetables quickly and responding, um, and uh, and so we are definitely more resilient and flexible than we than we than we are. We are all well, I think we're all further up that change curve than we give ourselves credit, uh, and that's you know even a complex 
talk like mine has has changed, has changed uh, and been flexible. And I think the other thing I've learned is um, I've learned to balance my life a bit better. I think Nina, you know, it's um, uh, it you you learn to you know we've all learned to use Zoom and Teams effectively. Um, I've hired senior people on Teams. I've received a resignation in a meeting from Teams, and you just think, okay, this is the way of the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just need blinking good Wi-Fi and then you're away, aren't you? So, yeah. I, and me personally, I've, I've enjoyed being home more because I've been out and about on the road quite a bit. Um, and that's something I'd like to keep a little bit. I can balance it more going forward um, because I think, you know, I've thought more. I think I'll, you realise that travelling, even on our great rail service, um, from home to the offices, two-hour journeys, they're, they're actually quite disruptive. Mm. And I think we've all become more, I've certainly felt I've become more productive. Even if my first couple of calls in the morning are, you know, I'm suited and booted from the waist up, but the rest might be pyjamas or trackers (laughs) or whatever. And then, but you know, it means there's no, you've lost all that traveling time and you hit hit the ground running. So I'll miss that. But I think getting the balance right will be quite important going forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're hearing a lot, aren't we, about hybrid working um, and people having the opportunity to work flexibly and to, to decide what works best for them. Um, and I know I spoke to uh, to one of our colleagues in the rail delivery group months ago, actually, when they were looking at their office space and changing it from being a place where you go to work to a place where you go to collaborate to come back to one of your words earlier and and I think that early days so last March April time there was lots of talk about oh you know we're not going to need big office spaces people are just going to all work from home and I think what we've seen is that actually quite a number of us are really quite desperate to get back out into the the world again um, and start meeting people and having those face-to-face meetings but like you I think that the Zoom and the Teams um platform has made us all quite a bit more productive once we've got into the swing of how to use it because I know I certainly had a period of time last year when I was literally 12 hours a day doing this and that was kind of like well by the time you finished in the evening you're fit for nothing um so I think once you've kind of worked out where your boundaries are and got used to that working from home rather than as Peter Hendy calls it, living at work, once you've balanced that out, it's really great, isn't it, for your well-being and for your, you know, that getting that balance in your life. Oh, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah. So one of the things I'm always keen to ask people is um, in terms of as you've gone through your career, I'm really interested to know about role models. So whether that's people you've worked with or or other people in your life or, you know, famous people that you've read a book about or seen a film about. What in terms of leadership, Julian, who inspires you or what inspires you and what's important? You know, I've been very lucky in my rail career, certainly uh, coming up to 22 years to have worked with some superb leaders. And I've just listed list them out for you if you indulge me for a minute um you know started on the railway where chris gibb was my md uh, soon after that dominic booth featured as the the md so that's dominic the first time around mm. and then i've worked with great people like andrew chivers alan wilson nick brown steve banahan mike hodson 
Dominic Boo the second time round, and now obviously Dave Kay in Abelio as well. And I think um, I would, I would, each and every one of those have has provided me with learning and insight, and probably too long to list all of them. But um, certainly Dominic the first time around, who reminded me a, a bit of me when I was travelling around in a midweek bachelor. So he was he was down in the Wales and West area, new, new, new MD. Um, and you learned very quickly that um, he was massively into, you know, intuition, and uh, but also into devolving accountability in a business. So the best people to run our business, actually, it's not us in the HQ. It's the it's the guys and girls out there that are managing our people, managing the interfaces with our passengers, and. Dominic was hugely into target setting as low down the organization as he can. And this is back in 2000, 2001. You just think, okay, that's, you know, that's, he speaks my language here as so an FC and spreadsheets, KPIs, and this, that, and the other. So that was a huge thing there. If I fast forward to Nick Brown as an MD that I worked for in Central Trains, and, I, and, I, and I'd replaced um, a very, very uh, safe um, uh, Central Trains. FD and National Express was moving its FDs around when they won the one franchise it was called. Now today you'd call it Greater Anglia, um, and so I slotted into to, to Central Trains in something like February two thousand and four, and again up in Birmingham on a Monday night, Nick knocks the door as 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 his FD and sat down and just simply said, "You've got some very big shoes to fill, Julian." My predecessor was quite short and. You know, probably just small shoes. However, the point was there. You've got some very big shoes to fill, um, and we had a you know quite a serious conversation about that. And to give Nick Brown his credit, he came back into my office in a similar vein three or four months later, and he'd remembered the "you've got some big shoes to fill" story, and he just came to close that out. He said three or four months in, "You've more than filled those shoes, Julian," and I just thought, "Wow." There's there's somebody who's a got a, a blinking good memory, but used um, used a challenge and a stretch, if you like. They said, "I'm expecting you know more from you. Move this job on," um, and closed it out. And I thought, you know, that that was a really good example. And then you know, when when my time was done at Tox, when I was looking to move my career further at the end of uh, 2011, um, I, I was just you know, Dominic was looking for a new CFO in Abellio. Um, and we had a couple of chats and um, it was a very easy move for me. It was like going home. Um, and of course, it was a great move for me to go from talk side. I'd been an FD of a talk for the last sort of seven years to go in the other side and being the CFO and going to boards and being the one asking all the questions. But I learned very quickly then because it's been one of my mantras that uh, you're only as good as the people that work for you or in that scenario or the relationship you have with people mm. and because i understood what it was like to be the northern fd or the mersey rail fd or the bus fd because i'd been that fd myself uh, and i worked that relationship with those fds and the wider board and um you know my, i just loved that first job i had in a belly just going out and about and just yeah. getting to know the businesses it was fantastic so uh, yeah so I've learned from I've learned from all those MDs in uh, over time, and I can I can probably cite some MDs that I've worked from in in ITV as well. But actually, the ones I remember 
you know, I mean that that is a that is a hall of fame. Chris Gibb, Andrew Chivers, Alan Wilson, Nick Brown, Steve Banahan, Mike Hodson, Dominic Blue the second time round, yeah. Dave Kay, you know, and people like Tim Shoveler. I worked alongside Tim Shoveler in Wessex Trains. He was a new ops director. I was a new uh finance director, first finance director. And and you know, Tim, you know, Tim and I have different conversations now. He's regional um yeah. director for Northwestern Central and uh you know we have a big relationship with that region yeah of course and the stakeholder stuff is so important isn't it and I, I do remember when I came into the industry eight years ago um I did have a bit of a wobble kind of a couple of months in because the more conversations I was having the more I was realizing that everybody knows everybody else so despite the fact that there are thousands of people that work in this industry it's actually it's kind of to, to coin a phrase it's a village isn't it everybody yeah, it's a village everybody knows everybody else um i think luckily for me there there has been that kind of oh yeah well i worked with him 20 years ago and actually you know a lot a lot of water's gone under the bridge since then and skills developed etc so so that's where i come in now but i remember having that thought and and just to kind of that list that you've just gone through it's like it is it's the, it's like the hall of fame isn't it yeah um these yeah, very, names very lucky that keep popping up again and again um it just occurred to me actually that when you were when you were talking about that that I'd like to just um, take a little step back into the career story because you obviously mentioned in your in your kind of your pathway through that you'd done the business development director role yeah. um, for Abellio and that's where um, we first met when you were doing that role and um, so we're in the thick of it in terms of the franchise process. Um, and you know in the thick of it again now to some extent as we move towards whatever it's going to look like in the future um, there must have been a heck of a lot of learning around that Julian in terms of put, putting bids together and, and kind of deciding how that was going to look and being such a, an integral part of that is there anything that stands out to you that you kind of think that you use now that you kind of learnt from those days it's that's a fascinating question, Nina. Actually, as you say, you go around full circle. I'd done a stint of bidding for National Express uh, on loan from Central Trains, and that was the sort of model that NX used, really, which was they pinch people out of the talks. They not necessarily backfill you sometimes, but certainly the the last bid I did, I said you must backfill me because it's mm -hmm. a particular. I got to a director stage at that point, um, and I think um, I think some of the bids that I've been involved with certainly as development director recently, working backwards, East Midlands Railway, West Midlands Trains, a bit of the Welsh bit in the middle, actually, you learned a lot from that. Yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, in my CFO role at Abellio, uh, being involved with the Northern GA uh, bids as well, is what I've probably learned from that process, and it's probably why we're facing reform, isn't it, is that I'm running a business now, Nina, where the exam question that was set by at the time that bidders were bidding for it is completely the wrong answer and that's not just covid and coronavirus it was it was a it, it was an exam question that um that was all about capacity it was all about new services it was all about um, filling the the network yeah and uh, the network's superbly more resilient again than we think it is because it, it did take a lot of that and and therefore you had bids where you know new trains were, were ordered top line revenue was 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 growing healthily would pay 
for the um, pay for the investment. But when I look back now, what is it that every MD in the land wants? It's resilience. It's um, you know it, it's reliability of service. And now, as we go into a new phase, it's about it's not necessarily about capacity. It's about different hygiene factors and growing the revenue back in a very different way. Mm. And uh, and also right at the precipice of modernising the industry. So I think. Um, you do get you do get into that exam question mentality or you've got 90 days as well to bid for something and i think that model will disappear out of the window pretty quickly i think it'll be a far more far more collaboration in the way that you as organizations div- devise your solutions for the, the the problems that we face um and so you you do learn from that it's very easy isn't it in this role to bash bids and i know every every group every bunch of uh, new teams that weren't involved with a bid to say oh the bloody hell put this in the bid here and of course but actually you you learned don't you? that was answering an exam question yeah. points made prizes points and good prizes won new business yeah. and it's how you dealt with that was, a, was was the issue and i think the other thing i would say is that you know those exam questions that we answered they probably catered for too much change too quickly and the the industry and the wherewithal in the BAU found that level of change and capacity to change couldn't catch up with it. So all well-meaning, but actually the learning for me now is that, you know, change needs to be um, sustainable and the output output is back to my magic wand. The, the, The output needs to be, you know, the right output for passengers, clean outputs and safety uh, aspects for passengers and winning back the confidence and finding those new passengers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, perfectly put. Thank you for that. Um, We have certainly got, I mean, a huge amount of change has happened, hasn't it, in the industry. But I'm personally, I'm very excited about the change in transformation that we've got ahead of us. It's going to be an interesting time, a really interesting time to be in this industry. Um, So the final part of our conversation for today, Julian, I'm always fascinated. I love a good quote myself. um, And so I'm always fascinated to ask my guests if they have a quote uh, or a couple of, I think, you know, I think there's a number of my guests have shared more than one in terms of things that have inspired them, made them think, supported them, you know, whatever. in terms of positive quotes so have you got one or two or more i've got a few actually i've got a few um nina that have sort of been relevant to where i've been in my career at various points in time and i use them now when i coach and talk to members of my team um and their teams so my my sort of first quote when you're when you're in that significant first head off role you're trying to make a mark is very simple to remember to work hard and play hard. Mm. Um, that's when you invest in yourself. That's when you um, make a name for yourself. And we've got, some, and I'm really excited about some of the heads off we've got in West Mids right now that are really just making a name for themselves. They're rolling their sleeves up, but they also know how to have, how to interact and how to, you know, uh, play hard. There's not, not, you know, we're all looking forward to that first beer, aren't we? Absolutely. So that's the that's my quote when you're on the up and you're making your your mark when you when you when you get into a senior position when you get to you know managing a cohort of senior people my next quote is 
it, it, again, it's simple, but you're as good as the team that you've got. Yeah. And that applies in all parts of your career. But certainly my experience in West Midlands trains, you know, I'm, I'm, I love my team. I, my team, we are so tight and we will do anything for each other. There isn't a fag paper between us to, mm. to, to, to coin somebody else's phrase. And I think that's, that's so important. And that message is beginning to permeate down in our organisations now, which is, you know, we've, we've changed the top team. We are, we are dressing our heads off. We've got a great bunch of 32 heads off in the organisation. But it's important that they now understand you're as good as your team. Yeah. And as you start going down organisational layers is where you start getting, you know, misalignment with goals, objectives, bigger picture. Mm. Uh, so that's my, that's my once you've made it yeah. quote. And then I guess in the thick of it as we are now, my last quote is, uh, it's a bit of a statement that sort of says, so after nine reasons that we can't do something, please go away and find the 10th reason where we can. Yeah. And that's a bit of a David Franksy one that is. I learned very quickly when he was the chair of some of our central train uh, boards that you could always prepare for the 10 things you thought David Franks was going to ask you. And the bugger would ask you 11th thing you hadn't <laughs> thought of. And then, you, and then you learn not to black it in a board and say, let me come back to you. But, you know, the same, the same, the, the industry is very good at saying, well, we can't do things. And we're in that place now where let's have a can do. Find that 10th reason, please, Nina, because, yeah. you know, it'll be far more rewarding. And that's the outcome we want and need. Absolutely. Are, three for the price of one. I love all of those but I particularly like that last one and I think that we have demonstrated as an industry over the last coming up to 12 months now that there are lots of things that we can do that we perhaps would have said 12 months ago 15 no. 18 months yeah. ago oh no we can't do that as you referred to with timetables before so but there is always a reason why we can do it so I love that that is a beautiful beautiful thought to end the conversation on um my huge thanks to you Julian for making the time to join me on the insides podcast um and enjoy the rest of a very happy and sunny St David's Day I will indeed thank you very much take care thanks Julian take care My huge thanks to Julian Edwards, Managing Director of West Midlands Trains, for joining me on the Intuitive Insights podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. 